the National Women's Soccer League kicks off March 16th on ION. Out in front to Williams. It's a new Saturday night destination featuring the best players in the world. Takes a shot, she scores! See the full schedule and find where to watch at IONNWSL.com. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate, pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Welcome to the Diversity Remix, busting the echo chambers of culture, politics, and business. I'm Charlie Echeverry. And I'm Jesus Chavez. This week on TDR, Canadian trucker crowdfunding, Adidas's bare breast controversy, and drill rap censorship. Is a private American company protecting liberty by fighting to disperse funds to an international cause in need? Or is a country protecting its citizenry and economy by fighting for its right to disable support for bad actors? Did a major apparel brand use a bold approach to authentically cater to everyday women? Or is their use of nudity an exploitative act that simply drives the most buzz and revenue? And finally, is a high-power mayor seeking to equally apply social media deplatforming rules to violent rap in his city? Or is he engaging in government-sanctioned censorship that violates the right of free expression for everyone? This and more this week on TDR. L.A. Rams. We, we won it. Brought that home. Actually, never left. Stayed home. Stayed home and won. Um, yeah, when I saw this stat, I was, I was super blown away. Just, I, I kind of knew it, but I didn't it's until you hear it that you really realize it, that in the last 18 months, L.A. has had three uh, championships across three different leagues. Yeah. Basketball, baseball, and football. But, but beyond. Like, it's pretty spoiled. Oh, I mean, for sure. Yeah, it's crazy. We were like crazy. premier kind of sports destination. That's crazy, yeah. But be honest, you thought that I was going to win our bet. You thought that the Bengals were gonna were gonna. You were thinking of of the show and going, "Oh, damn, was, he was right." I was stressed, <laughs> sweating that entire game. Look, I, I think the yeah, so much about this game. That was really and what I say, three points. I mean, that's basically. I mean, yeah. I literally called that. Yeah, just I, swung I, the other way. It swung, yeah, swung the other way. Although I I really think that the two things obviously. The Bengals did a great job stopping the run. Yeah. That was, to me, the difference. The real thing about it was, what was the difference in the game, why it was as close as it was, is because the Bengal defense, to their credit, they did a really good job Dude, stopping the run. Dude, they didn't get a single friggin'. I mean, it, shut he it, ran like 13 times for 11 yards or something crazy so, like that. And in, in this point, this is where I think McVay made a mistake that he should have let Stafford just go. Mm. And they kept on trying to force the issue, force the issue. So last the, the last round, like, you know what? You don't you don't think the run the run just kind of sucks. Right. Just go. But you don't think they're just trying to keep the defense and give them some rest? Because if you just go and then you don't if, you, if it's three and out, that defense is gonna get tired. That's what I, I think he was doing. I get, but he, how many three and outs did they get? Because they were they were always behind. It was it was third and long every every single time. Yeah. Because they were getting they were getting negative yards on the run. It yeah. wasn't even positive. It wasn't even like net neutral. It was yeah. like negative. Right. So, so that's it's my, running the other direction. That's my point. It's like at that at some point you're like, okay, now let's just start 
you know, let's start throwing the ball a yeah. little more, right? Yeah. So I think that would have. But that last drive, man, when and, when and, Cooper Cup waked up, woke up, and OBJ getting and hurt, OBJ made a that. massive difference in that game. It's unbelievable to actually look at the impact of a single player, right? By the way, he was having a banner game. I mean, it was like he'd been waiting for a game like this, right? Touchdown, big passes. You know, he became the outlet receiver. Cooper Cup was actually very quiet in the first part of the game. But I think that's that's the. Because I think to me, if if OBJ doesn't get hurt, I think it's more of a blowout. I think they they win by at least a couple of touchdowns. Uh, and, revisionist and, history. No, and the reason I no, say I, that I, is I agree with you, they'd be more successful. Yeah, is yeah. because um, their defense, the defensive backs were and with schemes, they're good enough to cover one really good receiver. Yeah, but not two. They're not good at no, covering two. It was just too much. Yeah, and and Eli and, Apple was getting and, whipped and, too. And OBJ but was so basically J- just like dude. But so did so did Jalen Ramsey. He Jaylen, had a terrible game. Jalen Ramsey he got worked. He got worked. Yeah. Now I would say. That one, there, was, there, was, there was so much calls about bad. There was some bad calls, but you cannot let your defense back get face mask, and that caused a touchdown. Like, that's just, yeah, in no scenario. And then they try to, did you hear about the ref trying to justify it? Like later on, like, no, that wouldn't be a no call, anyways. What are you talking about? The dude got face mask. Yeah. And drop, well, like, I, I, get out of here. Yeah, I think, the, here. I think the point is it's hard to call. The bar is higher to call face masks on an offensive player than a defensive player. That part I understand. But I that. in this case, it was clear grab, and it was clear change of momentum. He could yeah. have made that tackle potentially if he hadn't been grabbed right. away. Or, or tipped the ball or something. He was in good position yeah. at, the, at the time, but, you know. So so we've got super interesting topics to get to on Courage yeah. or Cringe, but I did want to just really quickly kind of format Super Bowl real quick because okay. I want your thoughts on this. Pre-game, game ads halftime show and obviously the result i think okay. we've talked about the result you're happy with it i'm happy with it too i love yeah. the rams and i like yeah, yeah. and i'm an angelino so all good i wanted the bengals to win sure because i dig the cinderella stories they and did, the comeback and they did and well and they did yeah. super well they're they're I, I think unless you hate la they're probably two of the most likable teams and players that were in the team maybe the players were one of the teams and i also think joe burrow interesting uh, one of my sons said to me in looking at burrow he's like i can kind of see how a guy like Burrow, if he stays healthy, could actually be like a like a Tom Brady, like a somebody who could be there for 10, 15 years or whatever, like has that kind of longevity because he's so cool under pressure. And yeah. he's playing the big game. Dude, the guy, like, I mean, how many games has he played? But he, I, he was I was really very, impressed with very him. Very cool under pressure. Yeah. They need a completely different offensive line. Like, I, I think this is the, if you look at the, the Rams playoff run, including the Super Bowl, the opposing team has done a pretty good job of holding the, the defensive line yeah. for about three quarters. Somewhere it starts, the wheels start to fall. And then once the wheels fall off on that offensive line, good luck. And I think Joe Burrow was getting to the point where he was at serious risk of getting hurt because they just were oh, not. No, no, he did no get longer, hurt. He did get hurt. Yeah, but even more hurt, right? Yeah. He was able to kind of get up and still continue playing. Because at that point, like yeah. the dam had broken. Yeah. And these guys were just going through. And, and it was, yeah, it was, it was. Did you, have, you, have you seen that the fact that the last play where he got sacked, the the um, uh, chase got open, Ramsey fell on the on the sideline. No, I didn't see that. He was wide open yeah. for a, a a what would have been a touchdown to to win the game. Yeah, but you're right about the offensive line. I mean, ultimately, that's I mean, he's also a young quarterback, might hold onto the ball a little bit longer than he needs to. There's things like that, but I think across the board, having a better offensive line can yeah. keep him from getting sacked because he was like one of the most sacked quarterbacks in the league. Yeah. All yeah. right, so br- break it down for me though, or you, if you want, I can go first. Okay. But like, right. I put it in pregame, game, ads, and halftime show. Okay, that's kind of like the, the really okay. quick thing. I'll give you my two seconds, and then you can comment. All so. Right. Pre-game, honestly, I, did you watch the pre-game or did you just watch the game? I didn't. So I started right when the game was about to start. Mm. 
So I missed the entire pregame. Okay. So pregame yeah. to me, I actually thought was pretty weak. Okay. And just as one example, you know how when they show like, let's present the, the and I guess this is pregame leading to kickoff. So it's like very close to I the I would say the game. part where I started watching was when The Rock, uh, like the, the whatever he did. Did you see on the screen where they introduced the players? Like, let's meet the offensive line. No, let's no, meet. no. Okay. I, I missed that part. Yeah. The, the, so that's technically, I guess, still part of the pregame. It's before yeah. The Rock and all that yeah, stuff, yeah. which, by the way, the uh, for the XFL, I mean, come on, dude. This is like genius right? for The Rock to be there. He's like got the football backdrop, and then in a couple of months, he's going to launch his huge campaign of XFL. Anyway, another side yeah, point. Yeah. We got lots to talk about. Okay. All right. But per, for pregame, I actually thought it was weak. And just as one example, although you didn't see it, I would cite that moment where they introduced the players. Like, let, let's meet the team. And like this is the Super Bowl, right? And the team, the whole "Let's Meet the Team" was your just little normal graphics package of like such and such defensive tackle, Ohio State, right, right. and it just seemed like so small given the stage that was behind it and all the buildup. Like I would have loved to have seen like a single montage for each player, like in a different way than you see it for any right, Sunday, right? right. right. Something kind so, of elevated, okay? That's elevated. Fair. The graphics package was kind of weak, but overall, I kind of thought that that was kind of weak. I thought the game itself was great. I really do. I think that it's testament to the kind of like close matches that we saw throughout the entire playoffs, and I was happy that you know it was a very close game and that mm. there was a three point difference. So for me, the game was good. The ads, mm-hmm. my summary: low on creativity. High on celebrity. That's yep. that's my take. And then the halftime show I thought was phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's your so, take? So uh, I'll go. With, I guess you have to do game ads in halftime because you didn't see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the game itself, I I thought it was it was really good, very contested. And I was, you know, I told you, I was obviously very biased that I wanted the Rams to win, but it's harder to root against the Bengals. Like they're just a good team. They way you know exceed expectations across the board. Stubborn, yeah. yeah. I think Joe Burrow is a stud. Yeah. Like that dude. People can call him, keep on calling him Joe Cook because he is like the guy just doesn't seem to get seem to get rattled. And his whole team believes in him. Like it's, it's, oh, they're all in. They they're bringing I think a really interesting culture, which is good for them because they the kicker has the same kind of attitude. It's like I got this, no worries. And this like and they they find that right balance of attitude and confidence that. That gets people excited, but doesn't rub anyone the wrong way, right? Mm-hmm. So super, super likable. And I think that their receiver Chase—I uh, forget what his first name is—yeah, also uh, from Jamar, LSU, Jamar Chase. That guy is a stud. Yeah, dude, that could, I mean, he made Jalen Ramsey look like a fool. On a he couple is of those really, things. really good. You're like, talking about the best defensive back in the game. Yeah, he is really, really good. I was really impressed. I've seen him play obviously because I've seen all the the, the playoff games of the, of the Bengals. But I'm like, man, this guy is super good. Uh, so I, I think the game was great. Um, and I'm glad it was close, even though I was hoping they and, would uh, and do it was better. clean. There was no flags, dude. There was like yeah, three flags yeah, yeah, the whole yeah. game. The, the the complaint people can make, and I, it's fair, is the missed calls. Right? There yeah. was a there was a clear, obvious makeup call that, the, that yeah. they, they're like, we're gonna get it right first this of all, time. I feel that linebacker, man, two is number fifty five. That was great coverage. Dude, that guy had a great game, though. That yeah, guy yeah, had a phenomenal game. He was stuffing game. the run, was right? So, everywhere. Anyway, so the, so there was a lot of really good about the game. I think on the on the the ads in general uh, were very underwhelming. I agree very with you. Very much. Very celebrity driven. I was asked this morning what was my favorite ad. And for me, it was with, um, uh, I'm, I'm blanking on the name right now, the guy from uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm. With, uh, uh, le- yeah, uh, 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 Shapiro. Uh, no, not Shapiro. No, What's no. his name? Larry uh, yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, him. That guy. Like, that was for me, like, the best commercial mm-hmm. that they had because mm-hmm. it was pretty funny and, like, um, and the other thing was very much on the brand, on his brand, and on and what the message was trying to be for that. For that, isn't ad. it Larry David or Larry David? David. Larry, Larry yeah, David. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Um, so I think that was good. The halftime show was really interesting to me. So I think it was very good. The if I want to start thinking about what was that ha- like, 
the thing that I struggle a little bit like, is like, what was the theme of that halftime show? Mm. Was the theme about about celebrating West Coast hip hop? Somewhat. Was the theme about celebrating the influence that Dr. Dre has had in the hip hop music? Probably more that than anything else, because every artist that was there had a direct tie to either Dre discovered them or at some point were part of his label, mm-hmm. right? Um, it seemed like an homage to the city of Compton. And like, because I grew up there, my brother and I were like, oh, look at that. They have, like, we were yeah. like going nuts, right? The, the set. The set itself. Yeah. I thought to me, that was probably the, like, yeah, I like the performance, but I really liked that part where they brought the city kind of to life in a very subtle way, in a very insider way that most people that don't know the city wouldn't even recognize that's what they were doing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was maybe the more genius part of, of how they did it. Uh, and it was great to see kind of hip hop in this kind of stage being presented uh, this way. I, it definitely made me feel uneasy though seeing it. Mm. Like, and the whole thing is like you're literally going through a, a racial discrimination lawsuit mm-hmm. of the league, right? The league that with has Brian Flores and with Brian Flores, yeah. right? A class action suit, right? Uh, and and yet we're celebrating hip hop, and you can even say celebrating black culture to some extent in in celebrating hip hop all at the same time. Like there is like some. Um, like some some like like a like a, like a disconnect. It's like yeah. it's almost seems like a like a multiverse kind of conversation. Like oh, which multiverse is this one on? Where like hey, we embrace all black culture and we'll celebrate as part of this halftime show. Another one is like oh yeah, by the way, we also have like massive yeah. racism issue that we still trying to figure out how to how to deal. I with. understand that point. See what I'm saying? I, like, I guess that, I found a, very I found a very me. unlikely ally recently in Nicole Hannah Jones, who's the woman who's behind the 1690, 1680, 1690 project, whatever it's called. Uh-huh. All that controversy around that. Somebody tweeted a concern just like yours. It was like, oh, this is great, but look what's going on behind the scenes. Yep. And her response back was basically like, you don't think black people can chew gum and walk at the same time? Like, we can enjoy music and also know that there's work to be done. So I kind of think, I kind of put it in that category of response where I don't think that this unacknowledges or erases or mitigates all the issues that still need to be worked on. I, although I understand your point. Yeah. About like, but but it, the thing is not about whether you can enjoy music and still have an issue with it. Of course you can. The the question here, and look, it's also the timing thing. Of course, they didn't just come up with this now, right? At the same time as this, as this. Of course, it's a long lawsuit. time planning and all that. But stuff. the 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 fact that you have these two like almost opposing views and it's still all within the same league. Maybe it uh, kind of speaks to the complexity of this league. Mm-hmm. That you have a league that is seventy percent of the players are black. You have a league that is that as looks like it as you finally wanted to recognize black music and black culture and hip-hop to really, you know, play center stage, which in many cases, for Super Bowls, they haven't. They typically go the rock route almost every single time, right? Um, and, and and at the same time, a league that has really struggled with representation at its highest levels. So mm-hmm. Ownership, of course, and, and general managers and in, and in coaches. Yeah. Ownership like zero. Like, the whole thing is, like, is just... Maybe it kind of speaks maybe to the complexity of the whole issue, right? Yeah. It's sort of a, a microcosm of 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 our times, I would yeah. say. I will I, I will affirm also the kind of like uh, fuzziness, maybe if you're thinking about this as a kind of campaign execution, the sort of fuzziness of the thematic, because you had equal parts Compton, hip hop, '90s, um, Dre. Like those were four potential thematics, right. all of them together, because it's not necessarily West Coast, because you've got Eminem. Right. It's not necessarily or Mary J for that or matter. Or Mary J for that matter. Or Fifty Cent for. I mean, so but, yeah, and it's not necessarily even '90s in terms of the start, because no. I, I don't think Fifty Cent started in the '90s. He started later, right? So, which by the way, that was yeah, a surprise. Yeah. yeah. So there is some murkiness there, and they could have been maybe more hardened around one particular thematic. I saw some of the swag that was all about Dre Day or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, you know, that seems to me was the centerpiece. That seems to be the centerpiece that would actually make sense with all of it right because right. if it's about him being kind of like the you know the puppet master or yeah, the, the coordinator the godfather that makes a lot of sense yeah 
I would say because if the if the thematic and it wasn't this, if the thematic was about celebrating the city yeah. of LA, then I think it would have been in my mind a pretty big miss of not showing any Latino representation as part of the city of LA. Right. Even when we think about the city of Compton, the city of Compton, people think of it as being black. It is, but it's like seventy percent Latino. Yeah. And it's been for a long time. For a long time. And you didn't see any of that Latino influence in the 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 display of it. But I don't think it was about the city of LA, even though it played. Even though the backdrop was was that, and yeah. it kind of played a, a major role, but that's a little bit. That's if I have any knock on it, and I'm being maybe more critical than I need to be. But if you're gonna, if I'm gonna put any knock on it, it will be probably that. Yeah, that it wasn't as clear. The clearest thing to me was definitely Dre, yeah. and I love that, frankly, because that dude has. And people have issues about him personally. Some of the stuff that I know he has his own controversies, but the impact that he's had in the music industry yeah. and hip hop in general and entertainment broadly. Is massive so, and it's good to and see and in him business and in technology and in a bunch right. of different fields, Beats, right? And all that, right? like it's that was nice to see him get his due. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so I, I like that a lot. Cool, I'm a fan. Last point on, on Super Bowl because we really have to move on. We got a big show. Um, the uh, kind of social media chatter during and right before the halftime show. I don't know if you picked up on this that there was going to be a special kind of Tupac appearance. Oh well, they like holographic I did, I did not, or whatever no, it is didn't, that didn't happen, dude. That would have blown doors. They, they did give it a nod um, when he got on the piano um, and he started doing yeah. Uh, changes. Yeah, I think that's what it was, right? Yeah. Um, so that was cool to see. Yeah, that would have that would have that would have been awesome, frankly. Yeah. Like, and I would I would have loved to see that because there's also a great connection there as well. Obviously. Yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so let's let's parlay the conversation now. We're talking about football. Let's talk about maybe a different type of football, like that takes place in a northern neighborly state. Uh, they have the CFL up in Canada, and Canada is very much involved in our first Courage or Cringe. Courage or Cringe. So Courage or Cringe crowdfundraising site says they will defy Canadian court order to stop disbursing funds to convoy prote- protesters. Lots going on in the Great White North, man, right There's now. There's a lot, a lot going on. So, uh, yeah, let's let's kind of get into the story. And this is like a developing story. I've been listening, watching, listening to a lot of content about it. Um, but look, it's been a, obviously a few weeks now yep. where this trucker protest um, that was that initially started as this freedom convoy, there's literally this road trip that all these trucks were taking from the west to the east, I guess, right? right. To get to, um, to, to, to Ottawa. To Ottawa. But they finally got to their destination, so they had nowhere to <laughs> they go. Didn't, they didn't leave, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, they've been wreaking kind of havoc in the city of Ottawa, right? Mm-hmm. Which is the capital of, of, of Canada. And, um, and you know, those efforts then we also recently escalated by blocking a bridge that links Windsor, Ontario, uh, and Detroit, right? Which yep. represents about 30% of the, at least the stat, the stat that I saw, about $664 billion worth of goods that move between the U.S. and Canada. Yeah, in terms of the ground travel between the, the countries. I think that, right? 30% on one bridge. I've been on it. I've been on it. I've been through it. I've oh, been, have you? Yeah, yeah I, absolutely. It's, it's literally like a little boat ride or something from Detroit. Uh, if you go to Detroit, like you can basically right, look right, it up right. right there. But it, a lot of stuff comes through that that entrance. And and when they did that block, right, which just happened, they were I think it was blocked for about a week. That had an immediate impact, economic impact, right? Is The estimate is that it caused about $51 million in loss in wages. Mm-hmm. And it also temporarily halted or reduced the operations in a number of factories across Michigan, West Virginia, Kentucky, Alabama, and Cleveland, a lot on the auto manufacturing side, right? So immediate, immediate impact. And with all of this, Canada, Canada the Canadian government seems to be struggling as to how to deal with They're it. They're on their right? heels. They're definitely on their heels. Well, this week, and this is another, a new development that I'll talk about next, but just this week, earlier this week, the, Supreme, the Superior Court of Justice in Ontario granted a restraining order that was requested by the government of Ontario against... 
uh, Give Send Go, which is a Christian uh, crowdfunding site. And American others. one. Uh, is right? it America? I, I, think I don't so. know. I, I think don't they know are. where they are. Yeah. Uh, where they were asking the funds to the protesters be halted, right? Which at this point, it had over 8.7 million uh, US dollars that had been raised in one campaign, right? Now, of course, this company, Give Send Go, was not going to take this any down. Give Send Go is uh, headquartered in New Jersey, so I was right. Oh, yeah. interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, the company responded Canada has absolutely zero jurisdiction over how we manage our funds here to, uh, at Give Send Go. All funds for every campaign on Give, Send, Go flow directly to the recipients of those campaigns. Right. Now, in this case, even if they refuse to comply, one of the things that came up in this, in this piece we're looking at is that that court order also applies to any third-party payment pro- uh, processor, right? So it's not just Of course, and, and that's where the power lies. It does, right? We think about the infrastructure, right? So such as like WePay, which is owned by J.P. Morgan and Chase, It's right? kind of like telling somebody, yeah, I guess you don't have to turn, t- you don't have to pay your rent, but we'll just cut off your power. Right. <laughs> it's like, like water. Yeah. And just like shut, start shutting everything out, right? Now, just in case it was enough of the story, the, the latest item, actually earlier this week, uh, Monday or Tuesday, uh, the Canadian go- government just invoked the Emergencies Act, right, which gives them the ability to use them. And this is like the first never time never been in... done in Canadian history. That's right, never been done. Uh, no, I think it's done once. This may be the second time, Charlie. Really? Yeah, yeah. That, all it, I've heard is that it's I never w- been done. I was just listening listen to a piece by a uh, Breaking Point, and uh-huh. they were talking the last time, like they had like kidnapped some Canadian government uh, folks. Oh, really? And that, but it was a long, long time ago, right? Because this thing, even this act, I think only got put in place like in the eighties, yeah. right? So I think this is the second time. But but it's it's been you know. It really hasn't been, but it gives them like a bunch of abilities, right? Yeah. One is to use the military, temporarily suspend citizens' rights to free movement or assembly, and interesting enough, it allows them to freeze personal and corporate accounts that could be supporting what they consider this illegal protest, right? right. So, although with all of that, it's actually not clear which of those the government, you know, which action the government is going to take. But that's a really big deal to the point that we're saying is that whether it's, and frankly, whether it's the first time or second time. The fact that it hasn't really been used, and it's a pretty dramatic step to be taken. Yeah, there it seems like at this point the Canadian government is 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 really on its heels, looking to try to do whatever they can to stop this. Just really quick, because I just looked it up on CBS. Uh, federal government invokes Emergencies Act for first time ever in response to protests. I think what happens is there's a separate act called the War Protection Act or something like oh, that. Maybe that's maybe more maybe specific than military. Yeah. But I think this one, which came out in the 80s, to your point, maybe has never been triggered Got before. It. But Got either it. way, either okay. way, if it's two, it doesn't matter. It doesn't happen right. often. Uh, so, listen, a lot there. We can, let's, we can, we can get into it. Yeah. But uh, courage or cringe, private company fights for its right to use private funds or a country fighting for its right to protect itself from money supporting bad actors. Yeah, look, I'll, I'll start off. I'm a cringe on this. And I think the core reason for it is what you said just at the outset. It's like the Canadian government has been on their heels responding to this. And I think that there's been failures across the board. The most significant one for me are that you have the, these convoys that are engaging in activity that I don't want to minimize in terms of it being illegal, but it's also vastly peaceful in the sense of like, look, they're honking horns, they're doing whatever, but they're not, you know, they're burning. Disruptive, yeah. They're yeah. very disruptive. They're not burning, you know, buildings or killing people or whatever. But yeah. anyway, they're doing something illegal. You're not allowed to block the road, like anywhere, right? So here, and in fact, that's the whole kind of sidewalk rule, right? So like the moment you got your little picket sign, there's rules. You got to keep moving. That's one right. rule. Because I've been in, in protests, right? You've got to keep moving. You have to sit on the sidewalk. You step foot on like a swale or a piece of grass on the like that's the trespassing, right? So there's all these different rules. Right. And I don't want to minimize that they are doing something that is technically illegal, but nevertheless, yeah. it's been broadly peaceful. Now here's the big fault in my in my mind. Mm-hmm. 
in this, in, this entire situation for me has shown a total dearth of leadership in Justin Trudeau and the Canadian government. As far as I can see, no one has actually attempted to talk to any of these people, right? It's been like, let's let it fester. Maybe they'll go away. They don't. The local government is going like, help me because I can't figure this out, right? The people that are doing it. And the first steps are let's deal with it in court. Let's make announcements. Let's do all these right. other things. And I think that that really reflects poorly on the leadership of you know these various stages of leadership in terms of the Canadian government. And now we've got a situation with this emergency um, act, which has never been invoked before, mm-hmm. that it's essentially meant, at least originally, if you read the law, to really deal with issues of sovereignty, yeah, right? Like, it is, so, yeah, yeah. like our country is about to fall apart. We've been invaded. Nobody can deal with this besides the federal government. There's been a bunch of MPs in the Canadian government who have already condemned Justin Trudeau for invoking yeah. that action. And then on top of that, you couple it with all the fact that, like, you know, this thing has been kind of framed as an anti-vaccine thing, where 90% of the truckers are vaccinated, right? So, like, to me, all of these things make the whole situation very unfortunate. I don't condone blocking of streets or breaking the law. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I just feel like this whole thing could have been managed very differently. And I think it, 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 it goes back, it redounds to the Canadian government, and it's a failure on their part. So, for me, I'm a cringe. Well, it doesn't make the Canadian government look good in any way whatsoever, right? I mean, I don't know how you get to this situation and say, like, hey, you've handled it well. Um, what do you think of – because of, I think that there's a couple of thoughts here that I think about, even starting with give, send, go, right? Yeah. There's a piece here where I could understand the position of the country saying, hey, we're dealing with this domestic problem or protest or issue that we're trying to solve. And now this thing has kind of evolved into something much, much bigger because the whole thing – and we didn't talk about it. But you know, it started because of this rule that the Canadian government had put in place that – Truckers need to be vaccinated when they basically came back into the country or have to be um, like put in quarantine for Correct. a Correct. It's time, a right? mandate. And to your point, even though according to – it's one of the organizations for truckers that says like 90% of truckers are vaccinated. But there's a percentage that say, hey, I don't want to do that. And if you're doing that, then you're going to restrict my Well, But, my, but, but, my, but let's tease that out because, uh-huh. because I think 90% are and there's a percentage that aren't. But I think both the vaccinated and unvaccinated are saying well, I don't me, want the mandate. Well, yeah, let, let me, yeah. Let me, yeah, let me, let me continue. So, yeah. so I think there is a – so this may have started maybe initially with a smaller percentage, yep. and it was initially about the vaccine, but it's evolved into a much bigger thing now. It's about freedom. And there's a, I think there is so much that is reflective in what's happening in the story of people just being tired or being tired of this of this pandemic or being tired of all these rules because Canada in general has been, A, very aggressive about the rules they put in place for their people. Most people, and this, I'll listen to this today, I'm like, hey, whether they're conservative or liberal, have kind of been okay with the rules but I think this this movement kind of has touched touched on something that was has been already starting to fester. Mm. That's kind of kind of brought it up and mm. made it much bigger than what it was. Yeah, because it's gone kind of beyond the the, the truckers that initially started this. It's about freedom. You also have a lot of different factors that are involved in this, right? Yeah. You, you talk about people that are, of course, the truckers. You have other people that have nothing to do with the truckers that are maybe more conservative movements that are trying to use this as, as a way to a pressure the government. Yeah, yeah, as a platform. So. The, the thing that I, uh, what I was going to say is what I find interesting, or I could, I maybe have a little bit of empathy with the government, is like, we're dealing with this massive issue that is now we've mismanaged, et cetera, but now it's even bigger than, than when we deal. And there is this money coming in from other parts of the world to fuel this massive issue that we're trying to deal with. How do, like, don't we have the right to cut that off? To, because, like, at the end of the day, they are doing things illegally. They've literally shut down the city. You shut down one of the the big you know points of connection between the the two the two countries. 
And like, what do you do with that? Like, t- yeah. t- take away the. I would say because I, the whole thing with the with this. Uh, yeah, I can respond with the emergency knack that that's a whole other level, which I think is, seems went, very draconian. But like the first turbo. part of cutting off. I agree. International but, supply yes. of capital against an issue that is. See what I'm saying? That I agree. Your, your I agree. Government. And if I was Trudeau, I would have that concern as well. And one of the very first things that I would do is actually try to sit with someone to actually have that discussion. And if you needed to, maybe there's other approaches to do this. Like, for instance, hold the funds in escrow. You know, just basically say, like, hey, you can get them, but you'll have them in a month or whatever. There's so many different creative solutions to this. But what's happened is like, no, we're freezing, seizing in certain cases. And the local municipalities have seized gasoline, other yep. resources. And to me, I think that's a step too far. I know I didn't address the give, send, but, go but, thing. But in this case, but, we're, we're talking about uh, illegal activity, right? Like there, and, and this is also a real practical issue. that These are massive trucks that are just shutting down. And it's much harder to move people. It's easier to move people than it is like these, these massive yeah. trucks. And and that are getting funded by other people that have you know maybe in a lot of, I'm sure a lot of money is coming from the U.S. as well because the, 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 when I've heard about the story the very the the thing that I immediately thought about was uh, Occupy Wall Street yeah it feels very Occupy Wall Street to me sure right and and I would think that if in Occupy Wall Street when that was happening if it was discovered that another country was sending a lot of money and donating dude I'm sure to, that to, happened yeah but if you, I'm sure maybe it happened right but I'm saying if it was because I think in this case, you were talking about a lot of people like donating a lot of money from the U.S. for this kind of – because it's the kind of issue that in this political moment – Yeah, it's very – I think people are going to be appealing to. It's ripe. It's very ripe, right? So like if you had a situation, I don't think it would be unreasonable for the U.S. government to say, hey, wait, wait, wait. Like time out, guys. Like we're going to deal with our own stuff, but we're not going to be letting external players basically feed into an issue and make it a bigger issue for us. You can think about China. You can think about any other country doing this. So that part I kind of get. Like – See yeah. what I'm saying? Like, I kind of get. I understand that. Um, but I think this is another classic incidence of using a brick to open a window. That's what I kind of feel is here. Now, I know it takes more work. I know it's more nuanced. It may, you know, mean that you have to have more meetings. Right. But ultimately, I'm not sure that it would have taken any more time than has actually happened here. Because this has been going on for a while now. And also, who's leading this? Because there's a lot of players that are... Well, that start, with the, be... start with the OG. Start with the original start people. Start with the truckers? Yeah, start with the truckers and, yeah. and, and, you know, sit down with them. And you even if you give them nothing, at least it's a PR op. I don't know. It's like, yeah. you know, and that was one of the first criticisms of Trudeau. is like the, the minute that these people rolled up in Ottawa, like he left. You know what I mean? He literally like well, went I'm somewhere. I'm sure they thought like, ah, oh, they'll be here a couple of days. Exactly. They're, they're like, they're they're run like... out of gas or they got to keep moving. They need to make money or whatever it is. Right. So I think it's been a failure. Like specifically with the give, send, go thing though. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, you know, kind of final point. It's really tricky though, because now you're really getting into the intent of the giver for certain things, right? So like, what if like, I want to support that trucker because I know that he's losing income. But I'm not supporting him sitting on the street and blocking a bridge. Do you see what I'm saying? Like, how do sure. you manage that in a way that's consistent across the board? But I, I think that's part of what these platforms are for. I mean, uh, GoFund, uh, GoFundMe, GoFundMe, stop taking any of those any any of those uh, donations um, for for this event. Um, well, they initially froze it, but then there was so much backlash that they said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna like." Get, oh, they said they, they were gave gonna, it back, but they gave it back eventually. But I'm saying their first thing was freeze it, and then even they even had a uh, there was a news story about them wanting to give it to another cause, and I was like, "What the hell are you talking about?" That's, that seems to me like fake news because, like, uh, in terms of them officially want to give it somewhere else, like I, I use uh, I've used them a lot, yeah, uh, and it's a it's a great platform, frankly, to be able to choose like the issues that you want to support. They right. do a lot in the education sector, right. Um, but that seems, and if they're doing that, there's no scenario where you can justify that. 
where you take the money people are donating for a cause and then give it give it something else that they didn't choose. I get the stop it and then give it back. Say we're not going to do that. Um, but they also kind of pulled themselves out of, out of the equation for for that reason. If I can find the the story that I, I read, I, I saw I'll, that I'll as well. It. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying may, like, that to me sounds just so wrong that I don't know how in any kind of scenario you can justify that. Yeah. Right. Uh, I get the freezing. I get the giving it back. Um, and then people turn around and well, they give it to this other organization, right? Yeah. Listen, I'm also cringe on this one. All right. It's hard to give any kind of courage to the Canadian government, even with this latest act, the Emergency Act. That feels like now an overcorrection of you are basically been on your heels the entire time, and now you're coming out swinging, trying to squash this thing. Uh, where, to your point, I feel like they should have done a lot more to take it seriously earlier on. I agree, maybe more conversation, even if it's a very fractured kind of a movement with a lot of different leadership. Um, and, and it definitely does feel like a big failure of the government and kind of all around. Yeah. Agreed. Okay, cool. That's a, and it's a big story by the way. So it's, yeah. it is, it is developing and there may be other news. I mean, they, they were actually talking yesterday, the local people, not Trudeau, were talking about, um, tr- uh, tow truck people who were refusing to actually tow the rigs right. and what was going to happen to them, whether they would be arrested or fined. I mean, this is a whole thing. Oh yeah. And even people who were honking their horns in support, right? Not even the truckers, but like people driving by well, that's or whatever. Why this emergency act is really interesting because it kind of goes across the board. They can seize these trucks. They can seize the, the tow trucks as well. Because they were having a hard. Basically, what they found is people are, are pretty supportive of these folks, even those that are to your point yeah. are not that. There was a great podcast that came out today uh, of the Daily that actually talked about the movement, and they were interviewing people, and it was really interesting the way it was painted by the Daily. I thought it was actually really well done. Is that they were like it's actually a much more friendlier group than you would think. It's a pretty broad. Like we think about the truckers, it was like a guy that has like a yoga studio. There was a guy that was that was sitting like literally sitting there welcoming people into Ottawa. There's a ton with of a, minorities with a, with a, too. With a with a loudspeaker, and it's like such a Canadian thing. It's like, yeah. hey, we're protesting. They're super but, friendly. But welcome here anyway. Canadians have that that uh, distinction. And then it uh, talked about that you had some other folks that are like you know that uh, that were like more maybe no, no, angrier, angrier, and various yeah. kind of intent. But yeah. but it was it was like this this moment that people are sort of this this frustration I think has bubbled up, and as, as I think a lot of people have appealed to it. Um, and uh, but yeah, it just feels completely mismanaged, and, and it does feel like a way overcorrection in what the government is doing now. I really hope that they don't enact a number of these things, even though they may have the ability to do it. Yeah, maybe maybe they maybe that's a move to say the threat is enough to get people to disperse, show a little bit of restraint. Hopefully, is that right? all right? Well, like truckers do, let's you and I change gears uh, and <laughs> talk about uh, our next uh, topic here. So yeah, this is a fun one. Uh, Courage or cringe? An Adidas ad showed bare breast. Is that liberating or exploitative? Mm, it's, mm-hmm. a it's, a it's a good start. It's a good start. Start. So on February 9th, Adidas launched a new marketing campaign for their new sports bra. And you know, while normally this wouldn't be the kind of topic that we would cover, um, is the how they launched the campaign that caused a lot of controversy, right? Mm. So as a way to recognize, uh, celebrate. Or maybe potentially exploit uh, women. Adidas decided that there was no better way to make the point. That's never happened before. Yeah, than to simply show a number of bare breasts, uh, twenty-five sets of, of bare breasts, actually, nipples and all, arranged in a very neat grid, right? All sizes and colors, all, literally all sizes, colors, shapes. I mean, to the, yeah, it was pretty, pretty inclusive, pretty good variety, <laughs> inclusive. Yeah, and while this could be considered unremarkable in another context, you know, because the first thing, frankly, for me when I saw it, it reminded me of like modern art. Like, that's mm. the kind of thing that I would see in a museum. And, you know, like, I like going to museums a lot. I see my daughter a lot to museums. So that's the kind of thing. When I first saw it, it's like I had a kind of flashback of that, right? But but the, but the what is extraordinary is that this is actually a focal point of this marketing campaign. Social campaign. And, yeah, and that Adidas is sharing this everywhere, yeah. right? So it's not in this more sort of 
curated manner that this is being consumed is like, here we go. It's right? for everybody. Share away. Share away. Now, to this, Adidas said, uh, as, part of, as part of their launch, uh, we believe women's breasts in all shapes and sizes deserve support and comfort. The gallery was designed to show just how diverse breasts are, featuring different shapes and sizes that mm. highlight why tailored support is paramount. Mm. So, of course, there was reaction on all this stuff. You know, right? it's super, just uh-huh. really quick, it's super interesting what you said, though, about the, the museum and the art. And I'm kind of thinking about this as you talk about it, because I, I already have my point of view, but I yeah. want to be open to changing it. Um, and even the fact that they refer to it as a gallery, right? And I know that they mean a gallery of social media images, and I understand yeah, 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 that. Yeah. But just let's think of it for a second. How would you feel about it if that image was a payoff in a curated experience that was physical, like maybe a, an exhibit yeah, about yeah, yeah. about the issues of women in sports, as an example? I, right? I would think it'd be extremely appropriate. I, 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 I would. I would expect it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be, to my mind, a shocking whatsoever. Right. It wouldn't be. I wouldn't like bat an eye. Mm. Look, I think one of the things. That, I think it would limit the exploitative nature of it for me, um, kind of giving that. you a preview of where I'm oh, going to go sure. with this. But, <laughs> for sure but, it would. For yeah. sure it would. Be- yeah. Because there is, look, there's a lot of clickbaiting in this stuff. Let's be honest. I mean, you know, it's hard to do it this way, even with good intent, and not say, and now someone had a conversation like, hmm, was this going to get more clicks because yeah. of this? Are we going to get some yeah. press pickup? Yeah. yeah. And, and I would say even for me, Taking my daughter to a lot, I take her to a lot of museums, and sometimes it's hit and miss, man. Because museums, you know, a lot of sometimes oh, the content yeah. that gets covered is pretty strong, For right? Sure. And initially, it used to really like I would walk with her, like with an eye out to not what we were looking at currently, but what was coming up. Yeah. And be like, oh, let me point you this way, let me point you that way, and and we would like literally skip sections, right? Um, and especially anything with nudity, etc. And and for a little while now, I've started taking the opposite approach, which is. Now, there'll be, some, there'll be some stuff that's overly sexual, then that's different, right? Then I'm like, yeah, I'm just not comfortable with that. But something like this, as an example, if we were to see this... In that context. In, in that context, because... Or a full you know, person, you know, naked or whatever may be the case, because we you know people paint that all the time. Of course. Pictures, et cetera. Of course. The, the approach that I've taken with her has been more like, oh, look, this is an interesting piece of art. Like, and we talk about the art. As a as a piece of art, sort of taking away the maybe the sexual nature of what it what it what it could be interpreted as, assuming it's not in a very sort of exploitative way, exploitative erotic way, erotic, right? Because yeah. he, that I just I'm just not comfortable. She's too young for it for that. And I think that's important distinction. Yeah, yeah. But but like this, if this we saw together, we wouldn't bat an eye. We would sit there and we talk about it and like, oh, the, well, this is what the artist was thinking about it because we're like we really dig into the why and the and that's talking a super about it. See what I'm saying? that's of course and that's a super important point because the shareability of this, the distribution channel of this, if not eliminates, seriously mitigates that context, yeah, right? Because that. anybody yeah, sure. can pick this up and and do it in a variety of different ways. Anyway, continue. But I thought that was a yeah, super that's, interesting that's point. A, that's a good point. So look, the reaction was, of course is polarized, right? You had some that were criticizing, criticizing the brand. For using nudity or just being exploitative, right? There was also the what about the children crowd, right? <laughs> which yeah, you would expect in this. Sure. Now, on the other hand, you have some people that were celebrating the diversity of, you know, because you can see it in the pictures, age, color, size, all of that, right? Of women being featured. And and there were some that literally saw themselves in it, right? It's sort of like this more natural, flawed version of, of women that people could relate to, right? Now, I, I thought it was really interesting because I, I saw a couple of quotes in one of the pieces from different marketing professors. And they literally give you like the two different views, right? So one marketing professor of Loyola University, Chicago, she saw a this. A Catholic school, by the way. Is it? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, I guess, I guess it would be. Yeah, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't think about it. Mm-hmm. Um, she saw that as refreshing, right? She said, look, basically a departure from the way bras typically share images with consumers presented as here's what you could be. 
And what Adidas, you know, is is, is basically doing this, which is out of ordinary, is saying uh, that people with breasts is we see you as you are. So this whole idea of like aspirational here where you could aspire to be one day kind of situation or maybe can never be to something that's here's what you actually are right now. So I thought it was a really interesting way of thinking about this, right? But in direct contrast, right, there was other academics who saw Adidas as trying to basically sell objectification Mm -hmm. uh, as if it's liberation, right? Or just another example of brand using images of women's bodies, you know, body parts to sell sell things, right? Now, according to an Adidas senior director of product, she said, the new sports bra line was significant undertaking with an all-female team of designers, testers, and experts. There was, according to them, a sizable data gap in developing sports bras, so her team worked with breast health experts when coming up with a new line. And, and, you know, she said, and I quote, a sports bra is the single most important piece of workout apparel for those with breasts. That is why we have re-engineered our entire portfolio, cre- catering to more bodies and workouts than ever before. Yeah, there's a mix of things in this So story. there's a lot there, yeah. right, in terms of how they went about it, which I thought was really interesting. Because all that you could just look at, I think, objectively is probably a good thing. It's like, yeah, we, we want to yeah, create yeah. a good product. We want it to work for women. Women have breasts. That's what this product is for. We need to understand how that works. Yeah. Like, that seems very you logical. You think about product design. So there's like product design versus marketing. Of course. Those are two very different things. Absolutely. So look, Courage or cringe, Adidas being bold in their approach to solve for and cater for to everyday women, or TNA is the most effective way to drive bus. Yikes. Um, yeah, so I, I kick us off. I'm a yeah. cringe on this one, um, although interesting additional considerations that you've brought up, which had they been the case here would have definitely mitigated or made it more difficult for me to come to this um, conclusion. Look, here's the insight for me, okay? The insight is people can be exploited even with their consent. Oh, that's sure. that's yeah, the yeah. issue, right? Yeah. And I, I look at that just on a personal level. Some people know know this story, other people don't. But you know, my wife lived for a long period of time in abusive relationships. And there's a backstory to that and to why, but basically she thought that that was all she was worth. Mm-hmm. And she would, you know, rather than being homeless, which she also was for a time, chose to live in abusive relationships because it meant a roof would be over her head. If you would have asked her, are you here against your will? She would have said no. But she was being exploited. There's no question about it. So the insight for me is that you can be exploited even without your consent, right? The execution of this thing, too, to me, was so, like, medic. I don't know another word. Like, I don't know if it was medical or, like... um, Dehumanizing to some extent. You're it was saying, dehumanizing right? in yeah, a way, right? I, I that, that, people the, describe it that the way. Kind of heads see are, why why someone would say that. Yeah, yeah, it was like these disembodied images, right. and it really wasn't something to my mind that, at least looking at it initially, the way you might in a work of art, honored the body, honored the person. Yeah. You talk about taking um, Tasiana, your daughter, to. Uh, museums. Mm -hmm. And look, nudity has been around forever, okay? Medieval times. Frankly, you go to the Vatican Museum, I'd say 90% of those images are nude, but they're done in a way that dignifies the person and dignifies the body. And that's not what was actually done here. I thought that the bodies were used as props, really, Mm -hmm. in a way to, to sell a product. And I think the last point is the virality and social sharing aspects of this diminish or eliminate the context of all the things that you described. Right. To me, it becomes kind of like, at worst, exploitative, at, you know, on another level, maybe titillating, scandalous, like, oh, look how funny, comical is another one that kind of comes to mind to me. And all of those things I don't think was the intent of the campaign, and I don't think help women, you know, maybe generally. Mm -hmm. So all of those things together is why I'm a cringe. Although if it was done, like you talked about, right. right, kind of as a payoff to an overarching campaign, we're like, okay, now let's actually walk into this exhibit or experiential, this experiential right, thing, right. and we're going to show you exactly what we mean. 
I think that that would have maybe changed my my outlook on this. But I think the sum of all these things are the reasons why I'm cringe. I could totally see this campaign ending up at um at an art museum, like that the actual like the tweet that was put out, um, and maybe more exp- to your point, experiential about it. Look, my, my reaction initially was like a little bit of raised eyebrow, I'm like, oh, that's kind of a bold move of these guys, you know, doing that. Um, the part that is hard to give them much credit is that it, there's definitely at least a piece there that people understand that by doing this, you're going to go viral and not always for the good, for the right reasons, right? Like there's a piece here, like it's kind of hard to say, like, you know that by doing this, yeah, there's going to be a level of virality that's going to happen with this campaign and not necessarily for the intent that you want, that you're, that you're intending, at least you're saying this campaign, right? If the campaign is about recognizing every type of women and saying that we see you and, and, and understand your needs, um, the medium dimin- diminishes a lot of that to your point, right? The thought that, the part that that was really interesting and effective is that when I see it, I do, maybe my, is my orientation, I definitely see it much more in that art kind of world kind of display. I also think the part of what they were trying to do, take away the medium, the how they did it, right? But just saying, just looking at the image and how they did it, it does, it's kind of an effective way of showing really the, 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 the differences and the sort of the, the lack of uniformity of, of women's body. And I know that, like, no one needs to explain that to me, but, but it's nothing like kind of seeing it. But like, yeah, you're right. Like, fuck, like every single one is like completely different. And it's so interesting when you think about from now, now taking a step back, what they talked about from a product design and what people need, it does make you think of like, that's the kind of thing that me as a man never has to, never has to think of. Right when I go work out, it's really easy of what I what I what I put on and, and how to go out there. But for women having to wear a sports bra, that does that does matter way way more. And having and being a thoughtful to say we know that not everyone's gonna look like that Victoria's Secret model, etc. I think it makes it makes a pretty big. Can difference. I make a comment on yeah, that? Sure. So, but but I think that in that particular example, uh-huh. the. At the end of the day, the product itself, even though it's been better engineered and researched and all that, still falls short of that ideal that you've just described. Because at the end of the day, you know these people still have like extra small, small, medium, large, extra large. I don't think they have sports bras for people who've had mastectomies. Yeah, I don't or, know. But, yeah, you, that's a, you see that's what I'm a great, that's like, a great point. So the, the part that is not clear to me is what exactly of this product is actually different to address the variety that they just displayed, right? So, so you're right. If it's all... Hey, we did all this, and then we still came back with small, medium, and large. Then, like, okay, well, then that doesn't really change much of what we're actually talking about. If instead you're able to maybe have different cup sizes, different, you know, like the measurement, et cetera, that how much it can be customized, then I think that like, oh, that's really cool. Honestly, I didn't see it, and I probably didn't research it long enough to figure out if that's if that's what they did. If it's the latter, I think then then at least the product delivers on the concept. I still think I probably end up more on the cringe side, the courage anyway, because I do think that at the end of the day, I just think it's such an easy way to just drive a dish, literally us talking about it. But I was, I, I, from day one when I first saw it, it definitely put me much more in that kind of artistic representation of something. And I do think it does make the point of showing, of, of making the point of the how women are very different, like really, really real. Mm. Uh, and very quickly, like I would even say, look, uh, uh, maybe last year, I don't know whenever it was, maybe a few years ago, uh, I hadn't seen, because uh, I don't watch much live television, and they were doing one of the Victoria's Secret runway, you know, that was like a really famous runway show. Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing it, and I look at this thing, and I'm thinking to myself, like, man, like, these poor women, like, they're so skinny. Like, I didn't realize how out of touch these women, and how, you know, like, just don't look like like a a, a normal, like, healthy woman. Yeah, your average woman. Because yeah. I hadn't seen it in such a long time. I hadn't, like, seen one of those shows. I don't really yeah. care for it, et cetera. Yeah. But it just, I just happened to be, like, 
having the you know the, the TV on. I'm like, huh, that's really interesting. Yeah, so I could totally see the point. Like, if that's what people are showing as the ideal, like, what are we talking about here? Yeah, like, and, that's it, just, and it is that, and it is an ideal. They look sick, these poor women. Yeah, I, felt ba- I literally felt bad for them. Like, I, yeah, I must be getting old because of yeah. my first orientation, feeling bad for them. Like, dude, look at you women a sandwich or something. Oh, like, I'm just gonna just, say the sandwich too. Just look rough. All right. Um, so you're so you're cringe. So, yeah, I'm actually cringe. All right, um, danger, danger. We're yeah, agreeing. exactly. We're agreeing. Okay. Um, what's next? What's last? La- Finally, la- last topic. Um, courage or cringe? Eric Adams, uh, mayor, new mayor in New York City. That's right. Uh, Former which, cop who just learned what rap real is wants to drill panic. rap. Uh, right? What drill rap is? Yeah, right? yeah, what yeah, drill yeah. rap is? Yeah. Uh, wants to ban it from social media. Hmm. So, uh, yeah, inter- interesting one. New York City Mayor Eric Adams said in an emotional speech last week after the violent death of an 18-year-old drill rapper uh, named Jaquan McKinley that he wants to basically ban this type of rap music uh, from social media platforms. Now, to this he said, I had no idea what drill rapping was. My son sent me videos, and it was alarming. And by the way, his son actually works for uh, Jay-Z's company, Rock Nation. Mm. Right? Now, you have a civic and corporate responsibility, and this is him talking to the well, to the platform. Was Drill Rap born in Chicago? Is that where it came from? That's what I saw. That's the roots of it. It says Chicago. Yeah. Uh, there was like a whole post that basically talked about its history. But yeah, I think it mentioned Chicago as, as a place where it was born. Mm. Now, he said to this, he, he continued, we pulled, we pulled Trump off Twitter because of what he was spewing. Yet we are allowing music with displaying of guns, violence. We allow this to stay on the sites. Mm. Now, of course, he's referring to all the so- – not just Twitter, but basically all social platforms banning President Trump because of his role in inciting violence during the January 6th Capitol riot. And he continued, we are alarmed by the use of social media to really overproliferate the vi- this violence in our communities. This is contributing to the violence that we're seeing all over our country. Is one of the rivers we have to dam. Now, according to the mayor, he's is, looking- is he proposing a geographic thing that impacts New York or a nationwide thing? I, I don't, I don't, I didn't see any distinction with that. Um, maybe look, it comes kind of jurisdiction, kind of kind of thing, right? The reality is, he has very little say of what in terms of, of course, of but, he, but but he's a, a visible voice. He's, he's not like the mayor voice. of like I mean, I will whatever, put him in the Poughkeepsie. I will, I will put this in the same category as uh, DeSantis, you know, saying about what. The social problems can or can't do when you really only have really geographical say, and even then, how much actual say you have there's pretty limited, yeah. right? As it relates to these platforms, but he's making a, you know obviously a big you know big deal about it. Um, now, according to the mayor, he said he's looking to meet both with the social platform companies as well with some of the hip hop artists, the top hip hop artists, to talk about the violence promoted in by drill rapping, which in his mind is causing the loss of lives of young people like them, right? Now, drill rap, because I, I frankly I didn't know what it was. I, I had to figure, you know, look into it. It's, it's a successor to trap music and gangster rap. Mm-hmm. And it said drill is defined mostly by his uh, nihilistic and often violent lyrics. And, and thanks to social media, drill's popularity has increased exponentially in just a few years. And I did see that I think the roots were, were based in Chicago, right? Let, let, let's, give, let's give people just a little taste of, of, uh, of drill rap here just to kind of equip, you know. Uh, facilitate some understanding of what, what it is we're talking about. Just 30 seconds here. All right, anyway. 
this is just a little, little taste multimedia who, episode. Who, who was that? This was uh, let me tell you. This is little a something more than likely because everyone's young little, pappy or young pappy. Young pappy and the song is called Homicide. Ah, great, awesome, good job, young pappy. Uh, now there is a history of police looking at rap uh, as a source of violence, right? Which uh, which at least to some seems on brand to Mayor Adams, who was a former police officer, right? Now, there probably famously was the murder of, of uh, Notorious B.I.G., right, which is obviously a very famous New York uh, uh, rap legend, in 1997, which promoted NYPD to form their rap intel unit, which was a subset of their gang, gang intelligence unit, right? Now, this group has since evolved into the Enterprise Operations Unit, which has been known to surveil rappers and place undercover cops at their performances, earning them the name Hip Hop Police. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> For those that oppose this approach, you know, they see banning drill rap videos from social media as not being effective in decreasing violence in right. New York City. Right. But instead, what they believe will keep communities safe is having basic needs met, such as housing, health care, and livable, you know, minimum wage. Um, however, for, for the mayor, this is all part of actually a broader effort that he's trying to put in place to curb gun violence, right? He's looking to get support from the governor and legislators. To the president him. was just there, right? Or wasn't he about to go or something? Biden was, Biden? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. spending time with him to look at, I think he was oh, already there. Yeah. One of the things that he's looking at is he wants to toughen the state's controversial bail law mm. and prosecute gun-wielding teenagers who are now exempt from being charged in criminal court. And that's when, when, I, when I read that, um, I forgot where I got this this piece from. I ended up like, you know, like is that right? Does that, sound, that don't sound right to me. Uh, now, what they're referring to is a 2017 law mm. that the legislature approved that basically raised the age of criminal responsibility for juveniles from 16 to 18-year-olds for nonviolent crimes. Yeah. Which already, by seeing it that way, kind of seems counter to what the, the other point. But, you know, these are – the realities are all kind of presented Complex, in, in, yeah. a, in a political lens and et, et cetera, right? Yep. Any case, courage or cringe, mayor demanding that the same social media rules that apply to President Trump be applied to violent rap content or – Another case on blaming on the rappers instead of addressing the real issues impacting vulnerable communities. So I'm a cringe on what this mayor is doing. Let me let me start with just a couple of basics here because I think we always get kind of caught up in this conversation when you're talking about things that are, uh, let's say, expressions artistically, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, this is a personal opinion, but nevertheless, it's kind of just help you formulate or help you understand how I formulate my thinking. So number one is I don't think drill rap is art, okay? I think drill rap is something, because I define art as, as things that kind of push you to a transcendent thought, whether that's love or God or some other kind of thing. I, I view this in the category of social commentary is what I view it in. And I think it's actually from people who are in some ways like crying out for help and in other ways maybe more basely like really trying to create terror in their in their kind of rival communities. I took a look at some of these lyrics, right? Here's a couple of examples. We left your young boy resting in piss and I was laughing when I saw a pic of the mom burying her kid. I mean, these are really base kind of grotesque things. Now, I, while I don't think this is art, I do think it falls in the category of free expression. And I think that we can chew gum and walk at the same time. Defend free expression, even when it contains really objectionable material, even perverse and grotesque expressions, while at the same time condemning them. And I do condemn them. I don't think that censorship of them is the answer, especially when it's a government force that's actually doing that censorship, because it makes them the arbiter, 
right? right? And in this case, we're talking about drill rap, but in other cases, we're talking about the little sisters of the poor, or we're talking about somebody who said Jesus in school, whatever it may be. And I just think that the examples of putting that kind of arbitration power in government officials is a wrong thing to do. I'm open to boycotts, protests, economic pressure, education campaigns, all of that stuff, and we should do that because I'm not a fan of this. I think this stuff, and I saw a number of videos, okay? Every one of them's got guns. Every one of them is, I'm going to shoot you up. You come to my car, you know, bitch this, that, the other. None of this stuff creates healthy, dynamic relationships, especially in situations that are like where the, these things are happening. So we shouldn't have drill rap. I'd like, if I could push the button, I would. But this is not the way to do it. So I'm a cringe. Right, right. Um, yeah, and no, I, could, I could see that. It, it, it is, I think the whole question of what is art and what isn't, I have, I don't have a much loose i would say maybe looser or i don't have a broader maybe maybe broader i just i just don't know how to define it because what's art to me is not necessarily art to other people and i i've kind of going back to you know going to especially we start going to some of these modern museums of art you're like oh that's art like okay like, I, I, don't, I don't know like who who says this is art who says it doesn't i guess it's all based on on the intent, and I think one of the things that I that I that I think about a lot is in context of art. And I've frankly going back to my whole interaction when I take my daughter to places, I always say to her, "What art is, or how art is consumed, is a very personal experience. It's what it means to you. Like we could look at the same piece of whatever, and what it means to me may be very different versus what it means to you. And I think that's the important. That's how I view art. I view it as that one to one." relationship not a one to many even though it could be a case like this where you have a one piece of art air quotes that many people consume i think the 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 impact of art is is, is really a very personal kind of thing right um so that's kind of what i think so even from that i'm like i, I don't i don't care for any of this of course i mean there's nothing about this that music even the example you shared that i'm like i would want to listen to but it doesn't to me negate it from being art or being considered something that's in that sort of expression okay. And to that point, when I think about even historically some of the songs that I've listened to, some oh, of, especially yeah. hip-hop, rap, sure. and other things, that the amount of violence that is sort of displayed, like, okay, so then where do you go from here? You know, it kind of reminds me of, like, back in the day with Two Life Crew having to go, I think, all the way to Supreme Court, I want to say. Absolutely. Right, like, where, where does that... Even where does some that... of the stuff that was featured in the halftime show. I mean, it's like, yeah, look, for sure. you know, if you listen to, like, songs the, the original like... songs. Absolutely. It's all about love for those streets. And yes. it's like, he doesn't love police. I mean, it's like, it's all in there, right? But it's... It's, and... it's, all, it's all in there. So... And Tupac and Biggie. And, I mean, it's like, yeah. Now, I do think there is an interesting point here is to agree that this is creating a dynamic that is causing much more violence, right? Because I, I don't think anyone wants to get back to those days where you really did have the east coast west coast issue where like now at major events entertainment events it was always this fear of people being like shot and killed i mean even here in la uh i don't know if you saw this but over super bowl weekend uh one of the rappers i think it was kodak black i think that's his name mm -hmm. got sure. shot yeah i know um at, at, a, at an after party so somewhere where like justin Bieber was performing now who knows what the reason was and all of this obviously with this kind of lyrics where people are really like, calling each other out probably doesn't make it better probably makes it worse but I don't think this is the the way to address it. It kind of goes back to the, the the analogy that you always give, which is the rock, right? You can open a window by throwing or throwing a brick through it. I think this is trying to throw a brick through it. Through it. And, and I also put in the category like, listen, Mayor Eric Adams, I get that you don't like it, but in what scenario would you have any kind of jurisdiction to be able to do this? And it right. just wouldn't so it's make impractical. sense. It's super impractical. Yeah. It wouldn't make any sense for you to have it, even if it was limited to the city of New York. Yeah. Like that would it just doesn't work. No, we want to do that because now you can then like okay, well I'm in the city of whatever, and I don't like the other part that happens in social media. So let's block that there. 
Now it's not sound to, in my mind, a lot more like China, where everything's restricted. You have to use a VPN to basically pretend like you're somewhere else to consume the kind of content that you want to consume. So I think the whole thing doesn't, doesn't work. I have a good definition for poetry. I'm still uh-huh. working on my definition for art. You want to hear my definition for poetry? Let's hear it. Communicating with few words what many words cannot. Hmm. That's, that sounds more like a definition for a haiku. It's like a haiku. <laughs> I but, don't know, because some poetry could be very But in a long. way, it's true. If you think about poetry, it's like usually it's an, abri- it's an abridged structure, right? It's like fewer words or it's, um, you know, kind of leaving more for the imagination. So ultimately, poetry is uh, – is u- prose, which is poetry, is usually shorter than narrative, right, which is mm-hmm. the deeper explanation of things. But in a way, it communicates more than if you had more words in it, right, because it leaves it more to you, to your point about a kind of a personal interaction with the medium. So I'm still working with the art one. But either way, aside from the art thing, because of its impracticability, because of its sort of potential impact to free expression. So we're are, – so are you a cringe then? We're both agreeing on this yeah. one too? Charlie, I don't know Man, what happened. Three for three? Uh, yeah. Three I, for three? Once again, apologize to listeners. I did not. I'll do better. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, do better. Do better. Hashtag do better. Could not agree that much on things. Beautiful. That All right, my good. friend. Anything else? We'll talk about future shows, some of the things we're doing with the show. Anything you want to talk about there? Uh, no, no, no. Not yet? Not yet. All right. Big reveals up and coming. Thank you for listening. Keep on listening. Share the show. We'll see you again next time on TDR. If you enjoyed this episode of the Diversity Remix, please remember, first of all, to subscribe and help us to spread the word. Tell your friends, family, coworkers, and give us a five-star review. We're available on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your listening fix. And lastly, please remember to stop by blackbrown.us, the creator of this podcast, and take a look at our work and our approach at the intersection of diversity and business. The Diversity Remix is produced by Leo Gomez. The Diversity Remix is a production of Black Brown. We've seen all the video call fails by now. The mute button mishaps, the cat cameos, people not realizing the camera's on when their pants are off. But none of this makes Fred feel any better about giving an entire sales pitch, mistakenly using a filter that turns him into an itsy-bitsy baby duck. How do I turn that thing off? It's too late, Fred. It's too late. When you realize it's better to do business in person, it matters where you stay. Welcome to the Hilton Garden Inn, Fred. The meeting room is right down the hall. Hilton. For the stay. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu accreditation.